It's 12.08, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the start of the final weekend at the Wisconsin State Fair. We have a particularly attractive crowd out there. Say hi, everybody. There you go. See, we always have to do that because sometimes I'm afraid people at home are just thinking that we're, we're just all making this up, that we're not really all out here together at the State Fair. But I have said this. This is my, my 20th year of broadcasting at the fair, and I have to say the crowds that come out to watch this this program, by far and away the best-looking crowds at the State Fair. So you guys all get get a round of applause. It's a gorgeous day out here. It, it really is. And uh, Chamber of Commerce Day, come on out. I was out here a little bit earlier. I have been trying to be careful this year about eating my way around the fair, and I've been pretty good about it. I'm kind of making this mental checklist of the things that I haven't had that I really need to have. And got to, I got, I haven't been down to the craft beer tent. Believe it or not, I've been here since last Thursday, most of the weekdays. Haven't been to the craft beer tent. Got to think, I think I got to stop by. Haven't had a pork chop sandwich yet, so I think that's on my agenda after the show. All right, let me just start. Unfortunately, oh, by the way, 2.30 this afternoon, we're going to be joined by Governor Scott Walker. He's on his bus tour around the state. number of things I want to ask him about. Milwaukee County. Now, I no longer live in Milwaukee County. I've spent most of my life as a resident of Milwaukee County. I, I now live live out in the burbs. And I guess not a minute too soon. Here, Here's a press release issued by the, the Sheriff's Department. All right, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Sheriff's deputies recovered weapons in two separate incidents overnight. This would be last night. After responding to shots fired at Deneen Park and during an inventory search at a traffic stop, Sheriff Richard Smith said the murders, the violence, and illegal weapons on the streets speak to the necessity of an engaged law enforcement presence in collaboration with the community. Parents, educators, the faith-based community, and community advocates must actively work together to stop the culture of violence. The time is now enough. I don't disagree. Deputies responded to a call about shots fired at Deneen Park in the parking lot near North 72nd and West Vienna Streets last night about 10.20 p.m. Deputies recovered 13 bullet casings at the scene. This is 72nd and West Vienna. The Milwaukee Police Department had stopped a vehicle they saw leaving a lot and saw a handgun and a rifle in the vehicle before turning the vehicle over to deputies. Deputies arrested a 20-year-old man who faces felony charges of first-degree recklessly endangering safety, etc., etc. This morning at 2.45 a.m., a deputy stopped a speeding vehicle on I-94 southbound at West College Avenue and found that the driver's license was revoked due to a prior drunken driving conviction, and he had an open warrant with the West Dallas Police Department. The guy was arrested during an inventory search of his vehicle. Deputies found a 12-gauge shotgun with the barrel cut off, so he's driving around with a sawed-off shotgun. He faces a felony charge of possession of a short-barreled shotgun, which carries a penalty of up to six years. Now let me share with you an email that I received this morning as well. And I haven't seen this story in the news as of yet, but it undoubtedly will be. Jeff, my friend is a 38-year-old Army veteran who works for Miller Coors. He survived a tour in Iraq without injury, but can't even ride his bike home from work without getting shot. What the hell is going on in Milwaukee? Her words, not mine. My friend works nights at Miller Coors and was riding his bike home in Wa- to Wauwatosa this morning at 3 a.m. 
so presumably, what, second shift or whatever, a car approached him from the other direction, swerved across two lanes of traffic, and tried to hit him. He was able to swerve out of the way and avoid being hit. The car did a U-turn, came back, and the driver unloaded his gun at my friend as my friend tried to run away with nothing to hide behind. The neighbors thought it was firecrackers. There were so many shots. Luckily, my friend was only shot once in the leg. Yeah, that's what's going on in Milwaukee nowadays. You're, you're lucky when you're only shot once in the leg. Luckily, my friend was only shot once in the leg. It missed the bone. and was millimeters from hitting an artery. It was a through-and-through through shot. Thankfully, there are still good people out there, and neighbors came running out to help and to apply a tourniquet. My friend was treated and released from the, hus- released from the hospital this morning. Again, I ask, what do you know what is going on in Milwaukee? Why is more Milwaukee more dangerous than Iraq? Why can't hardworking people go to and from work without being victimized? As you say, if we tolerate this way of life, this will become the norm. We cannot let that happen. You know the shooter probably has a record a mile long. The gun is probably stolen. The car is probably stolen. What do we have to do to get prosecutors and judges to hold people accountable? What we're doing now isn't working. Something has to change. P.S. This story is going to run on the news tonight. Well, you have a head start on this. But I, th- this is the ongoing problems. You can't be on the streets pretty much now anywhere in Milwaukee County without being afraid that you're going to have somebody that is going to pull out a gun and start shooting. Maybe maybe it's because you're in an argument with that person. Maybe it's just because that's what they feel like doing. But keep in mind, while we have this going on, you have several people who are running, for example, to be governor, who are running on a platform of releasing people from prison. Here, we want to clear out the prisons. We've got too many people in prison. What we do have too many people in prison, but that's because we have too many people that are committing crimes who need to be off the streets. So this is a story you'll probably hear about tonight. Again, a guy on a bike, 3 o'clock in the morning, riding home from work, um, and some idiot opens fire on him. This, unfortunately, could happen to you. Well, as bad as it is in Milwaukee, and believe me, it is bad in Milwaukee, it's worse in Chicago. When we come back, I want to tell you about something that the Chicago police tried that is being met with outrage by the community. I'm curious as to your response. Stick around. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. Join our crew in supporting the crew on Saturday, August 25th. That's two weeks from tomorrow at the Brewers Community Foundation's Hitting for the Cycle event. Together we'll conquer a beginner's bike ride that starts and ends at Miller Park, followed by a tailgate party and a matchup between the Brewers and the Pirates. Hitting for the Cycle benefits Dream Bikes, the Urban Ecology Center, and UW-Milwaukee's Life Impact Program. I talked to the woman who runs that yesterday. Amazing program. For more information, information or to sign up, text the word CARES, C-A-R-E-S, to 414-799-1620. WTMJ CARES is presented by First Bank Financial Center. All right. As bad as it is in Milwaukee, and Lord knows violence is bad, it's worse in Chicago. What was that story over the weekend? You had 65-some-odd shootings, 12 fatalities. I mean, it really is. It's it's like, I mean, it's like the streets of, um, I don't know, 
you know, pick pick an out of control, you know, city anywhere in the world. So Chicago police are trying to to rein in things. And it's not just violence. They are trying to rein in crime as a general rule, right? Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in communities where you leave your car on the street and the car gets stolen or you come home to your house and you find your house stolen or if you have your house burglarized or, you know, you come to your place of work and you find that robbed. I mean, crime is crime. So one of the things the Chicago police are trying to do is catch criminals. So here's the deal. There apparently is, it's a railroad yard, um, Norfolk Southern Railroad. And what's been happening is in the railroad lot, you know, where they, they park the freight trains. This is on the south side of Chicago. They park the freight trains. Um, and what has been happening is you have been having people who break into or illegally enter the freight yard lot. And what they've been doing is they've been stealing stuff out of the train cars. So you have one of these deals. I don't know. You've, you've got a train. The train's being loaded up. The train's going to leave at 7 in the morning or whatever. And so you, you've got, you know, car, the freight cars are full of various, various things. And apparently there's been a, at least a large number of people who've been treating these freight cars kind of as, as their their personal Walmarts. You know, here, we're going to go over and we're going to steal stuff from them. So what the Chicago police did is they essentially, they created a, a bait truck. And, you know, what they did in order to catch people who've been breaking into these freight containers is what they did is they essentially they took a truck and they parked it. Um, it's a white semi-trailer truck. And they parked it in this lot where all the freight cars are. And they they had the they had the doors of it closed and they had like a seal put on the, the back of the truck. And then they sat back and waited. All right, well, you, you know apparently what's going to happen here. They didn't have to wait very long before they had a number of people coming in, entering the freight yard, approaching the back of the trailer, and breaking into the, the seal. And then what they did is they'd open the trailer door, they'd go in, and they'd help themselves to stuff that was in there. They actually had shoes that were in there. So you had these people who were... Use whatever word you want to use, stealing, looting, breaking into the freight cars and taking stuff. So they, they had this all videotaped. So they catch the people who are stealing the stuff out of the bait truck, if you want to call it that. And then they arrest them. Now, there's two ways you could think this could go in the community. One way would be people would come together and say, this is really good. You know, we applaud these efforts because, you know what, if these people are busting into, I don't know, trailer trucks in the freight yard or the freight cars, car yard, they're, they're going to be busting into other things. Let's get the criminals off the street. It could go that way, but not in Chicago. Here's... You have a number of community activists who are outraged at this. This bait truck operation is an unacceptable and inappropriate use of police resources, says one of the aldermen in the area. In a moment where police capacity is clearly under extreme strain, these sort of tactics are the last type of thing that we should be spending manpower and energy on. Some people, for example, the American Civil Liberties Union, say, well, we think it's a form of entrapment. Entrapment because what? You, you put you put a truckload of stuff there, and it's entrapment because people decide, hey, it's an unattended truck. We're going to bust in, and we're going to steal stuff. All right, let's open up the phone lines, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I, I, 
I guess I find the reaction to this tactic to be outrageous. The idea that the police are at fault, the idea that we should be do we shouldn't be doing this. It's entrapment. It's a waste of resources to get these thieves off the street. Matter of fact, I go the other way. I think you know, one of the things that we should be doing around here to deal with the epidemic of car theft, I think, for example, it would be a prime, fine to use bait cars, wait for the thieves to come and steal them, and then go ahead and arrest them. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have no problem with this bait truck, bait car tactic at all. I think it's a way to get criminals off the street. And does this mean you don't go after violent criminals? No, of course it doesn't. But it means that you've got a lot of people out there who are stealing from decent, honest people, and I think that the police are well within their right to use a tactic like this to catch them. I would like to see this employed more. Particularly, I'd like to see them put more bait cars out on the streets of Milwaukee to get the people who are stealing cars. 414-799-1620. All right, does this bother you? Is it a waste of resources? Are you offended that they're putting out trucks full of stuff and then catching people as the people come by to steal from those trucks? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1224. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers look to get back to their winning ways after another stinker of a game yesterday as they head to Atlanta for a potential playoff preview against the Braves. Not if they play like they played in the ninth inning yesterday. Game one of a three-game set starts at 6 o'clock tonight right here on WTMJ. Rick in Whitewater. Rick, you're first. Good afternoon. Yeah, how you doing? Good. Okay. Did, did these bait trucks bother you? I mean, some some people in Chicago say, "Oh, this is terrible." They put stuff out there and they catch people when they come up and steal from it. I think they're being ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, I think it's a really good idea. You know what? And your idea about baiting cars for stolen cars here in Milwaukee—I think it's a wonderful idea. I'd well, like to go even you know, better. They break in. They get electrocuted doing it. <laughs> Well, uh, th- thanks, for call. Well, th- thanks for call. See, I, 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 thanks for call, Rick. I mean, I, I don't want to go that far, but, but I mean, yeah, I mean, look, just because you leave your car on a street or the idea that you leave, I don't know, a trailer truck full of goods on the street, that's what entrapment, you know, the expectation is that people are going to come by and steal from steal it. No, that's not how you exist in a civilized society. Like I say, I mean, one of the things I would love to see them do in Milwaukee is take cars, figure out what type of car is the most often stolen and you know they, they do the studies they know it and then what you do is you leave a couple of them out there and then you see what happens and my guess is depending on where you are you can leave them on certain areas of the city of milwaukee and they're not they're going to be what's the movie you know gone in 60 seconds or whatever um and then what you do is you videotape them you follow them and you arrest the people that are catching it now of course the problem is it's not just enough to arrest the people that are stealing what you have to do is you have to prosecute them and we are unfortunately reluctant to do that, but that's a story for another day. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. You just took my uh, Hi, Mike. thought. Uh, keep those bait cars out there. Put as many as you want out there. I'm all for it. But make sure you close the back door and prosecute these people and keep them in prison. That's my... Right, could... Right, because I mean, again, thanks for the call, Mike. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't make any difference. You you can spend uh, now. I would agree that it, it's a waste of resources to do something like this if you're not going to follow through on it. That's why I, I think the Milwaukee Police Department 
I think for six years, the policy of, of not chasing under former police chief Ed Flynn and Milwaukee Mayor Tom Barrett were essentially that they prohibited police officers from chasing people in almost all circumstances as a practical matter. I thought that was insane. But the one point that the police chief made in defending that now defunct policy was he said, well, you know, part of the thing is we chase them, we catch them, we turn them over to the DA's office. They get into the DA's office and they either don't get charged or it gets plea bargained down. Or if they does get charged, it goes over to the judges and they don't do anything about it. So what's the sense of chasing, I don't know, some 16-year-old that's on his 20th stolen car if nothing is going to happen? And there is an appeal. I mean, I understand that argument and I understand the frustration. But to me, that's not a justification for not chasing. It is a justification. And Tom Barrett, I hope you're listening to this, for using perhaps your bully pulpit to stop whining about, gee, well, we need tougher gun laws when what you really need is vigorous enforcement of the gun laws that we have and perhaps calling out the judges in Milwaukee County and the prosecutors in Milwaukee County when they decide that they're not going to be aggressive in undertaking prosecutions or where you have the juvenile that's responsible for 10 or 15 car thefts or whatever and they decide well all we're going to do is tell them not to do it again and send them back to the parents who don't give a rat's rump about whether or not the kid has gone his way to becoming a career criminal or not that's what you need to see you need to see the follow-up all right when we come back speaking of follow-up a new nfl season same old problem stick around it's 12 30 this is jeff wagner Twelve thirty-five. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. He's tackled hot dogs, lobster rolls, and even celery by the pound. Now he'll take on Wisconsin cheese curds. First, though, Joey Chestnut stops by Wisconsin's afternoon news to talk with John McCure. Be sure to tune in at three thirty this afternoon. All right, I, I admit that every once in a while there are topics that wear me out. I, I, I just. I do, because there are obvious answers to them, and yet because people dig in their heels, you, you can't do the obvious answer. I'll give you an example. year and a half ago, I just, I, the, the big issue, year and a half ago, we obsessed over transgender bathrooms. Remember, the, the idea was in high schools, public high schools, what do you do when you have that one child out of 100,000 or 10,000 or whatever, who is born as a boy and identifies as a girl or vice versa and um, is trying to figure out what locker room to use and what bathroom to use. Okay, there was an easy and obvious answer to that, which is, all right, you you set up a gender-neutral bathroom and you allow that child to use that bathroom. it, It makes the whole issue go away. But, of course, in that case, you had a number of the activists who were on the side of the transgender kid who said, oh, no, you, you can't make them go into a private bathroom. How terrible that is. Well, okay, the truth is, I think most people in high school, heck, most people as adults, if you had your own private bathroom you could use as opposed to a public restroom at a school, you'd much rather do that. That was the easy answer. But people dug in their heels and you couldn't do it. All right, here Another issue like that is this controversy that's been going on now for going on two years involving the national anthem at football games. Now, here's where I come down on this. I think you should stand up for the national anthem. All right. If you are a player on the sidelines, you are enjoying the benefits of making a really, really good living pay, playing a game, I think you should stand. 
If you decide that you want to protest, whatever you want to protest, God bless you. Go with God. But I think you do it on your own time. So if on a Tuesday afternoon you want to go down and hang out outside the courthouse and you want to scream about you, you don't like the U.S. policy towards Iraq or you think you're against police violence or whatever you want to do, that's okay. But I think you do it on your own time. When you are... In uniform, when you are essentially at work, I think your employer has the right to dictate the rules. So the NFL, you know, recognizing that they had this issue going back two years ago when Colin Kaepernick decided that, I don't know, he was unhappy with the millions of dollars that he was making and he wanted to stage his own protest. And then you had, again, the president who waded in on this, and then more people decided they were going to protest because they didn't like President Trump wading in on this. So you've had this ongoing thing. The NFL earlier this year came out with what I thought was the appropriate compromise. They said, look, if you are going to be on the sidelines before the game, you are at work, you are in uniform, then we expect you to stand. If for whatever reason you think this is going to hurt your conscience or you don't want to do it, fine, just stay in the tunnel. You can do whatever you want down in the tunnel, but if you're on the sidelines, we want you to stand. I thought that was a reasonable compromise to this whole thing. You're not forcing people who, well, gosh, I just, I, I'm just so appalled with what's going on in this country that I can't stand for the national anthem. You're not forcing them to do it, but you're saying, all right, we're also not going to give you a vehicle to express your protest. So that was the NFL solution. I thought that was a very, very reasonable compromise. Uh, respecting rights of players who might have felt put upon to have to stand during the national anthem um, and matching that with, again, the owner's interest, because the reality is these protests are hurting the NFL. I understand some left-wing sports writers might not think that, but the bottom line is this is turning off a vast chunk of America. It's one of the reasons why NFL ratings were down, but not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons it is turning off people and i think as a you know if it's your business you have every right to try to protect your business so what happens is first preseason game of the year you had a number of the teams including the green bay packers that were in action and what happens you have more protests malcolm jenkins of the philadelphia eagles who's been one of the more loudmouth players in recent years he decides he's going to raise a fist while the anthem was played in Miami, you've got several players who decide, at least a handful of players, they decide that they're going to kneel during the anthem, specifically what the NFL had said we, we don't want you to do, although they did say we're going to hold off on trying to enforce this policy while we try to work something out. Another one of their teammates raised his fist. After the two knelt, they received praise on social media from the guy who started it all, Colin Kaepernick, who um, hasn't played now for a couple years. So despite the fact that the the NFL is trying to deal with this. You still have players who have decided that they are not going to comply because they want to make their statement. Well, into this, once again, waits President Trump. He's got a tweet out this morning. The NFL players are at it again, taking a knee when they should be standing proudly for the national anthem. Numerous players from different teams wanted to show their outrage at something that most of them are unable to define. They make a fortune doing what they love. Be happy. Be cool. A football game that fans are paying so much money to watch and enjoy is no place to protest. Most of that money goes to the players anyway. Find another way to protest. Stand proudly for your national anthem or be 
suspended without pay. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, who's right? The NFL players, the handful of them that continue to decide that they are going to exercise protests, they're going to kneel on the sidelines, they're going to raise their fists despite the fact that they make a whole bunch of money, or the President of the United States who's saying, you make a fortune, this is no place to protest, stand proudly, find other ways to do it. 414-799-1620, this issue does not appear to be going away. I'll tell you, I think the NFL reached the right rulemaking thing, and I think that they should say, you can't, you're not forced to do it, but you're not going to be able to use our game to express your particular political opinion and if you don't want to stand stay in the tunnel for people who don't do it i think they should be fined 414-799-1620 tell you what let me take a quick break we'll be back with your calls in just a moment if you're on the line please hold on it's 1242 jeff wagner wtmj Forty-four, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right, another NFL season. The controversy continues. Let's start with Sue in Waterford. Sue, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I think that any disrespect shown while they're on the field, be it a fist or kneeling, they shouldn't be fined because they have so much money. That means nothing. But suspend them from playing that day, then it affects the team and their coaches, and don't pay them for that day. What about their right to protest? What, what about their, if, if they don't want to, for whatever reason, honor the flag or stand for the national anthem, don't they have a right to do that? They do, but then let them do that while the national anthem is playing. Let them do that in the tunnel and not in front of the fans who are paying to see the game. Yeah, okay, thanks for the call, Sue. I mean, I see, I, th- see that's where I come down on this. I, I mean, I think that you, I don't think in this country, it's a free country, I don't think that you should be compelled to do things against your will. But nevertheless, when you're on the job, I think the employer has the right to set certain rules, and one of those rules would be if you don't feel in good conscience that you can stand during the national anthem or recite the Pledge of Allegiance or, or whatever, okay, fine, but you're not going to be able to hijack the, in this case, the employment setting, um, which is when you're on the field in uniform. I, that's why I think doing it in the tunnel is a is a very, very reasonable compromise. 414-799-1620. Larry in Milwaukee. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. I hope you're doing well. Hi, Larry. I am well, sir. What do you think? I'm, I'm with the players because I think their response to the issue, the issue that is at hand, I think it's reasonable. And if we want to penalize the players, what about the fans in the seats? They get the option to stand, sit, put their hand over their heart. But we want to make the issue with the players. Hey, true patriotism is having the right and freedom of expression. But the players are at work. The fans aren't. The players are being paid. They are on the clock. Don't employers have the right to set certain ground rules for people when they're on the clock? 
Yeah, I agree that the, the employer has the right. But so far, all of the uh, owners of the NFL, they're not in agreement on what the penalties should be. Therefore, we as fans, we, we're taking this upon ourselves to make the penalty. I don't think that's right. I don't agree with that. Well, all right. Do you think the owners have the right to say, all right, if you're on the sidelines, we expect you to stand? Do you think they have the right to do that? Yes, I agree that the owner has the right, but because they're not agreeing on what the position should be, that's where we are right now. We're in disagreement, so therefore the players, they're taking advantage of it, and I'm, I'm with the players. Okay, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. See, I guess, I, I, yes, right now the NFL is in a quandary. The NFL backed down and said, all right, this is what we're going to do, but we're, we're not going to enforce this for the time being. So, right, they, they have invited this. It's on. I think the NFL has every right to do exactly what they did. I mean, here, here's the best analogy that, that I could give you. If uh, Let's imagine that you are an employer um, and you, you allow your employees to come to work with T-shirts, but you say, look, because you're, you're serving the general public, all right, I don't want any, we don't want you to wear political T-shirts at work. We don't want you to wear any Make America Great T-shirts at work. We don't want you to wear any Hillary Clinton T-shirts or Governor Scott Walker T-shirts or Tony Evers for governor. We, we don't want political T-shirts at work because you're going to be interacting with people of different political persuasions, and we, we don't want to turn off our customer base you can wear those t-shirts you know on your own time god bless you you know you you can you can wear one to work as long as you change into something else when you're at work i don't think that that's an unreasonable sort of restriction to me that's exactly the same thing that these nfl owners are confronting the idea that look if you want to protest that's fine go do it but don't do it on our time don't do it at work you don't want to stand up you don't want to say the pledge of allegiance fine but then just stay back see, see again this what i find frustrating about this entire dialogue is i I think this is just such a reasonable compromise. 414-799-1620. Sean in Milwaukee. Sean, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Good. Well, I mean, I think we got to get to the root of uh, why the NFL doesn't want them to stand or doesn't want them to protest. And really, it's because they want them to show respect for armed forces, correct? Well, I think I, right that that's that's I think the ostensible reason they they want them to show respect for the country. The practical reason is it's a business, and they recognize that these protests are alienating a portion of their fan base, and then they don't want to do it. Yeah, and then not and then not you know doing the pledge of allegiance hand on the heart is turning off people because what's turning off people is that they're not showing respect for our armed forces. Would you say that's accurate? Um, I, I think that's right. I mean, thanks, thanks for the call. I mean, yeah, I think right. that's I, right. I mean, I, I think that's that is the perception that some fans have. You I mean if you talk to the players, 
they're, they're all over the map as to what what it is that this this protest is is about. Some are protesting um, mass incarceration of minorities. Some are protesting U.S. foreign policy, and, and that's that's all well and good. I have no problem with people protesting. You're talking to somebody who makes his living every day under the umbrella of the First Amendment, but at the same time, I think employers have the rights to impose limitations when you are in fact at, at work. And if the NFL was saying to a given player, hey, on your off time, we don't want you down at the Philadelphia City Hall, you know, engaging in a Black Lives Matter protest. Well, that that I would have an issue with. I mean, I don't think that's appropriate to, to do that. But that's not the situation. This, to me, again, it's the equivalent of the, the owner at the business saying, I don't want political T-shirts because you are going to turn off a portion of the customer base, and I don't want to alienate a portion of the customer base. And that is precisely you know, what happened to them last year. And again, there's a lot of reasons why NFL ratings were down, a saturation of, of too much, I think, too many games on, uh, a number of you know key players getting injured, I think that was a factor but there, there's no question i don't know if it's two percent or five percent or whatever there's a number of people who are just turned off by this whole process 414-799-1620 let's talk to bob and racine bob you're on wtmj well, i think if the networks didn't televise these guys being down and the media didn't cover it and even shows like yours didn't cover it it would lose likes and uh we wouldn't even have to worry about it well, it was dying down before the president tried decided to wade in last year. <laughs> so there's there's no question there, there's no question about that. I mean, thanks for the call, Bob. Here's here here's the thing. I mean, the look the the media is a business as well. This is just the the reality, and the the, the TV stations the. the the people who are televising these games, they, they like controversy. They, they do. And so they're going to show that. And, you know, the Washington Post and the New York Times and USA Today, I'm trying to th- I've got a stack of, of different stories about this. They're all going to write about it. Because it is controversial. It is controversial. It is therefore, I think, in some respects, it's news. So the, the idea that, gee, we, we hope somebody wouldn't cover it or talk show hosts wouldn't talk about it, then the issue would go away. That there is there is an element to that. I mean, you, you look at, for example, a number of these protests that get held. You know, you, you, you have, you know, five protesters two dogs and a cat that show up out outside the federal building to protest this, that, or the other thing, and chances are it's going to draw a whole bunch of TV cameras. The people are going to wait till they're on TV, and then as soon as the TV cameras leave, the protesters all go away. I mean, that's that's just the reality. So I understand it's kind of like if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, did it fall? It's kind of like if you stage a protest and you can't get the TV truck there, you know, did, did the protest, was the protest a success? But the reality is the media is going to cover these things. That That's just just the, the fact. So the NFL has to figure out a way to deal with it. I think ultimately, and you saw this reaction, the fact that some of the players are going to continue to do this. I mean, I, I think what they've got to do is stick with their guns. And I think the idea that they came out with earlier this year was perfectly reasonable. Protest, but do it on your own time. We'll see how this plays out as the preseason wears down. 1254, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. 1257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, if that if the story about the national anthem wasn't aggravating enough, wait, wait till you hear this story. There, 
there's a school in Georgia, charter school. This is an elementary school. And the way they start their day is in Atlanta. The way they start the day is they have a school assembly, and everybody stands up and says the Pledge of Allegiance. Remember back when you were in school, you, you did that. Well, last week, the school decided they were not going to do the Pledge of Allegiance anymore because what they said was, eh, over the past, this is the quotation, over the past couple of years, it has become increasingly obvious that more and more of our community were choosing not to stand and or recite the pledge. There are many emotions around this, and we want everyone in our school family to start the day in a positive manner, so we're not going to have the Pledge of Allegiance anymore. So that's the response. Because you've got some losers who decide that they're not going to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, we're going to do away with it. That's the position the school took. Now, as soon as they ended up taking that policy, there was a huge backlash from a number of other parents and members of the community said, wait a minute, we, we want to, we think it is a good thing to stand up and recite the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, some people, if you don't want to stand, that's fine, you can sit. If you don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance, you don't have to. But just because you've got a couple losers who decide that they and they don't want their kids to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance, that doesn't mean you don't allow anybody else to do it. Now, here's So the school has now backed off. The school has said, okay, we're going to continue to, to recite the pledge, and that's good as far as it goes. But the bottom line of this is, look, if you're raising kids who decide that you're teaching them don't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, I don't know that you are dooming them into a life of failure, but you are certainly getting them off to the wrong, the wrong sort of start. What's the Beatles line out of the, word, out of the song Revolution? If you're going to go carrying around pictures of Chairman Mao, you're not going to make it with anyone how, anyhow. Well, that's kind of how I feel about people that are teaching their kids not to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. Give me strength. All right, when we come back, a limit on Uber a tent city in Milwaukee, and much, much more. Stick around. It's 1259. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 109. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. A couple quick program notes. Governor Walker is on his bus tour of the state. He's going to be checking in about 2.35. That's the segment when we normally do Pop Culture Corner. And um, rather than not do it this week, because I was off last Friday, we're, we're going to do it um, at 2.08. So I know that's a segment that lots of people love when we talk about it. And this is going to be a fun one today, especially since it's my last day at the Wisconsin State Fair. So Pop Culture Corner coming up in about an hour, 2.35. We'll be joined by Governor Walker to talk about a number of different things, but a lot of ground to cover before that. One of the big changes in the way we get around has been the advance of the ride-sharing services Uber and Lyft. You know, it used to be that if you were going to get around, you would take public transportation or you would call a cab. Well, that was okay in some of the big cities where you, you had a huge presence of cabs and it wasn't a big deal. But there were other places, and I would argue Milwaukee was one of them, that were, were not good cab cities. Um, yes, you had cab drivers, but they were tough to get. You couldn't just go out and flag down a cab. You had to make arrangements in advance, you know, calling, you know, hours ahead of time just, just to get the cabs. So what's happened is you've had the rise, the, the rise of the ride-sharing services. Everybody knows how this works. Nowadays, you download the Uber app, you download the Lyft app, you register with them. You decide, hey, I, I need a ride five minutes before you want to leave. You put in the app. 
Um, you put where you are, you put where you want to go, and then you get a notice right away saying, hey, Frank is going to be there, he's going to be driving a what type of car, and, and you're off to the races. It's all paid for because you have it on the credit cards. It's really, I think, in many respects, revolutionized transportation in urban areas. And now to the point that you, you go almost anywhere and you see that there's special stands for like the Uber or the Lyft drivers. I, I, I was telling this story to somebody at, at the break. Last night, um, after after I got done with work, and um, my, my wife and I joined one of my closest friends and his wife. They were celebrating their 38th wedding anniversary. Congratulations, Evan and Susan. And so we went down to Harbor House you know, by, by Discovery World there. And now I, I, I drove down there, but right they, they have valet parking. So you pull up at the valet thing, and right next to the valet thing, they have a special station, which is, I mean, it's devoted to Uber. So, you know, if you're part of the ride-sharing thing, that's where you pick up your, your rides. That's where, you know, you, you wait for the drivers, all those different types of things. It, it, it is something that has been embraced. I'm still kind of old-fashioned, and even though I do have the Uber app, if it's just me traveling and I need a ride from the airport or something, I will typically still take a cab. But... I, I think I'm becoming a dinosaur in that regard. I know when I was in Las Vegas uh, with my brother a while back, you know, he's got the Uber app, and instead of you know going for the cabs, we're not waiting in cab lines. You know, we're, we're calling the Uber people. We're going and meeting them. It's the way more and more people get around. There's also the flip side of this is it's a way that you know people can pick up some spare. Dollars, you know, you 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 sign up, you qualify, you register, and then you're an Uber or a Lyft driver. So if you've got a couple of spare hours to kill on a Friday night or whatever, you know, you're out there. You know, you're picking up people. You can meet people. It's an interesting way, and you can make some extra money. So lots and lots of people are taking to driving with Uber and Lyft. Now. There's a couple different groups of people who don't like it. Obviously, the cab companies don't like it because it's competition. All right, that's number one. And then there are some other people who don't like it because what it's done is it's put more cars on the street, which brings me to the story. In the city of New York, now admittedly in New York, it's a different dynamic than in Milwaukee with regard to you know the number of cars. Very, very difficult to get around. It's why people, if you live in New York City, you probably don't own a car. I mean, most people don't because it's tough to park, it's tough to drive. You take cabs or public transportation to the subway or whatever. In New York City, Uber and Lyft, to be a driver, you need to be licensed, right? But up until... I think yesterday, there's been no limit on the number of licenses. So if you want to drive for Uber, you know, you sign up, you qualify for Uber, you pay whatever you have to pay, you get a license, you can drive your vehicle acting as, again, this ride-sharing service in the city of New York. New York has just placed a freeze on Drivers. They've now capped the number of people who can drive for Uber or Lyft. So if tomorrow, for example, you decided, hey, I want to, I've gone through all the rigmarole, I want to start driving for Uber, you can't do that anymore. New York has become the first city in the U.S. to cap ride hailing services, freezing new vehicle licenses for a year. And they say, and their concern for this is, well, we, we think, number one, there's too many of these Uber cars that are out on the road because there's so many people that are driving it limits the amount of the ability of the people who are driving to make money 
And as a result, we're just going to put an artificial limit on it. So no new licenses. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you like to see other cities, say Milwaukee, follow suit? Simply saying, we've got enough of these Uber drivers, we've got enough of these Lyft drivers. Here, we're just going to say no more. Now, again, it's easy for New York to do it because they require the Uber and Lyft drivers to be licensed. Most cities don't have that requirement. But I want to talk about the general concept. Are there too many people driving for Uber and for Lyft, and should we put a limit on it? Or is that the whole beauty of that that business? The fact that anybody who wants to drive, essentially, once you meet the qualifications, can do it. You can do it for as much as you want or as little as you want. Do we need to put limits on the number of people who can work for these different companies? 414-799-1620. And in particular, if you are somebody, and I know a lot of people who listen to me are, who occasionally works part-time driving Uber or Lyft or whatever, you know, would you like to see limits on the number of people who could do this? 414-799-1620. We'll discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 116 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. The new. 118 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. New York City has just put a limit on the number of Uber and Lyft drivers that can operate. Now, New York City, you've got to be licensed. They've said no more licenses. We're going to put a limit on that. There's too many people out there. Plus, we want to protect the ability of people who are driving to make income. All right. Should we do something like that, say, in Milwaukee? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Joan in Brookfield. Joan, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good afternoon. The, uh, hi, Joan. The, hi. The, the New York situation is really about the strong-arm tact, um, tactics of the taxi industry, uh, particular, I think, Medallion is the name, and the cost of uh, what it costs to be able to run a taxi there. It's merely a nod to the crooks who own the taxi business. Nothing else. It has nothing to do with the number of cars on the road. Right. Right. Or, or the or concern that, gee, we, the drivers can't make a living wage or anything like that. It's, it's just a big, you're saying it's just a big slop, sloppy wet kiss to the, um, to, to the taxi drivers who don't like the competition. That's absolutely my understanding of the situation. Thanks to call. I appreciate it. Well, And, and there is obviously, there, there is something to that. Now, keep in mind that this Look, this has been a huge issue. When you know, when, when remember back when the whole ride-sharing thing started, you had a number of the taxicab companies that that fought this tooth and nail because, in the past. There were X number of licenses that the city issued, so there was a limited number of cab drivers that were out there. And if you wanted to decide to drive a cab, well, you had to either work for one of the companies that held the licenses or buy a license yourself from somebody who had one, and the value of those licenses were huge. Well, now you've got everybody and their brother that wants to operate as, as essentially as a, as a driver, and it's changed the dynamic. The value of those cab licenses is nothing like what it is. And so you had the cab companies that were fighting it, I have... I have absolutely and totally embraced the, the whole Uber and Lyft concept, even though, again, it, it's not something that I use. I've got a car. I drive around where I'm going to go places. And I, I still, 
because I, I tend to, when I travel, go to bigger cities and there's availability of cabs outside the hotels or at the airport or whatever, I, I tend to use those. But that being said, I, I appreciate the value of these ride-sharing services. I think they're absolutely great, and I think Joan is on to something. To me, there is no reason, whether it's Milwaukee or Chicago or Washington, D.C. or Miami, Florida or New York City, to arbitrarily limit the ability to drive for them. Yeah, it's fine to put on restrictions. You want to make sure that you don't have people who don't have insurance or you don't have people with criminal records or whatever who are driving for these companies. That's fine. No problem with background checks at all. But to artificially limit somebody's ability to drive, number one, that's anti-consumer. What about the people that are out there trying to flag down the rides? And number two, I mean, it's actually anti-worker. Somebody decides that, hey, this is how I want to pick up. All right, I'm not doing anything. So from 10 o'clock till 2 o'clock on Friday night into Saturday morning, I'm going to drive. It's a premium time. I can make a bunch of money. Why would we tell them you cannot do that. The whole key to these ride-sharing services is that, you know, if it's bar time at 2 o'clock in the morning, you don't have to worry about whether or not it's going to take you an hour and a half to get a cab. You do the download, boom, somebody's there in five minutes, and they can take you home. 121 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It's 124, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, once again, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. It is a gorgeous day outside. Lots of people coming by. Also, lots of people enjoying the fair. Only three more days for the 2018 Wisconsin State Fair. Looks like it's going to be an extremely nice weekend, and that's great. Join our crew in supporting the crew on Saturday, August 25th at the Brewers Community Foundation's Hitting for the Cycle event. Together, we'll conquer a beginner's bike ride that starts and ends at Miller Park, followed by a tailgate party and a matchup between the Brewers and the Pirates. Hitting for the Cycle benefits Dream Bikes, the Urban Ecology Center, and UW-Milwaukee's Life Impact Program. For more information or to sign up, text the word CARES, C-A-R-E-S, to 414-799-1620. WTMJ CARES is presented by First Bank Financial Center. Check that out. I'm kind of torn on this next story as to whether to applaud the parents or not to applaud the parents. Couple days ago, the Milwaukee police released a picture of of a suspect that they said was responsible for at least 10 carjackings. So this was Tuesday. The police said, hey, we, we need help in identifying the suspect. We believe, now follow this, he's between the ages of 14 and 17, 14 and 16. 14 and 16, we think that he, together with a bunch of his, my word, not theirs, low-life buddies, have been responsible for at least 10 carjackings and other offenses. Now, let me just stop. We're not talking about car thefts. We're talking about carjackings, you know, taking somebody else's car by threat of force, including firearms. 10 carjackings, at least. And this kid, they say, is between the ages of 14 and 16, and he and a group of his low-life friends have been doing that. So the police released the picture of the kid, and he um, doesn't have a shirt on. He's got a baseball cap on. They, they just they throw this out there. Police say that they, they've come towards breaking up this group. They were able to arrest seven and then later eight suspects, but they can't find this one and they don't know who he is so they're asking for help so have you seen him do you know who he is well they've now caught the kid he's been turned in 
And interestingly enough, he was turned in by, wait for it, his parents. Apparently his parents saw his picture, their son's picture, on the news. And the police say, this is who we want. You know, this is who was responsible as part of this group of people who's been involved in all these armed carjackings. And I'm trying to picture the conversation that goes on between mom and dad or mom and granddad or whatever. It's like, hey, that kid looks familiar. Where have I seen it before? Oh, it's my kid. And as it turns out, he's 14 years old. 14 years old and is suspected of being involved in 10 or more carjackings. So to the credit of the parents, they turn him in. And I I know that's probably got to be tough. I don't have any children myself, didn't raise kids myself, but I got to imagine that if all of a sudden you become aware of the fact that your child has been involved in in not, we're not talking about stealing gum out of a grocery store. We are talking about being part of a, a group that has been terrorizing, you know, a part of the city of Milwaukee. You see this, you find it out. It's got to be a wake-up call, and it's got to be tough to say, all right, this is, you know, we're not going to cover for you. Yes, this is who you are, and we're going we're gonna to turn you in. So I think on the one hand, the parents deserve credit for doing that. That has to be tough to turn your own kid in. Now, the reason this comes with an asterisk, though, is because the kid is 14. If you are the kid's parents... How can you not know that the kid has been involved in this sort of behavior? Now, I I understand, and maybe this is one where people text me and say, oh, Jeff, you just don't get it. You you can't watch kids 120% of the time. Look, i got to believe, for most people, if if your kid, and this isn't like a kid skipping out a curfew, if your kid is involved in running the streets and is involved in, again, armed carjackings of Ten or more people together with various crimes, that tells me that you're not paying attention. Maybe you don't know for sure. And the kid's 14, too. Maybe you don't know for sure exactly what the child is doing when he's away from home. But my guess is a number of those carjackings occurred when the kid should have been in school or when the kid should have been home. It's 14 years old. So while I am willing to give the parents credit, and I mean that sincerely, for once they recognize that their 14-year-old son was well on his way to becoming a career criminal, that they stepped up, they did the right thing to turn him in. At the same time, I I do ask this question about how did you let your kid get to this point in the first place? And what about all the other people out there who were victimized by your child together with a number of other children? So, all right, you've got this gang that's now been broken up. The police caught seven. They later caught one. And now the final one's been turned in. I guess the follow-up story, and unfortunately, we're never going to necessarily know the answer to this, is what happens next. And I say we're not going to know the answer to it because in this state and in many states, juveniles are protected. So unless they waive this kid into adult court at the age of 14, something that the district attorney's office is extremely reluctant to try to do, even in situations of crimes of violence, we're, we're never going to know how this is disposed of. And we're never going to know whether or not the kids just get slaps on the wrist and the answer is probably that is exactly what's going to happen. Just saying. Coming up next, all right, get ready to pay less for groceries. Will it make a difference to you? Stick around. Okay. 
135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, final day of the Wisconsin State Fair. Just actually talking to some folks who've been listening to the program for 20 years or so. That's a, I appreciate that. That's as long as we've been doing this, and uh, always a lot of fun. I, I love the fair. It's actually... The, the, la- the last broadcast, I mean, the fair runs through Sunday, but this is my last day working here. It's just, I, I think back of all the, the different memories, and I just, you know, we're located right next to the Budweiser Pavilion, and I remember when the late, great Tom Green, who was uh, best known as, as an Elvis impersonator, but actually a classically trained um, singer, you know, he would come over, we would, and he'd be in full Elvis regalia, and, and we'd be doing interviews. I think back on all the different political figures that we've had in this facility for over the years, I, I remember Governor Walker is, of course, up for, for re-election. Uh, and we're going to be talking to Governor Walker in about an hour. He's on his bus tour, but we're gonna, he's going to be calling in. We'll be speaking to him in about an hour. But I remember um, when he was first running, for example, he was in a Republican primary with former Congressman Mark Newman. And I can remember them both just sitting there as we were, you know, during the, the 12 o'clock hours. We had a candidate debate. It's just all these different memories come back. And that is one of the great things about the State Fair. And I admit, I look forward to to it every year when it rolls around and I'm always kind of sorry to see it go even though my life becomes easier when you don't have to commute out to the fair to do the show all right Um, I mentioned this I think two days ago we didn't have the opportunity to open up the phone lines on it this is in many respects it's kind of a golden age of of grocery shopping for, for people there's there's all sorts of different options you have. You have some of the the specialty sort of boutique stores that are out there. You have some of the the larger, uh, whether it's uh, Kroger and Company, for example, owns Roundies, which owns the so Kroger, which is a national chain. They used to have Krogers here years and years ago, but it, Kroger owns like Pick and Save, and Kroger owns Metro Market. And they own um, the, the cop stores that you can find, you know, uh, throughout Wisconsin, not in the Milwaukee area particularly. So you've got your, the Kroger presence. You, of course, have got the Sendex stores. You've got the people who, you know, go to Sam's, uh, to, um, you know, Walmart for their shopping. You've got Costco that has those things. And you have a number of other different grocery stores that are out there. You've got Woodman's. You've got Aldi's. In many respects, this is, it's kind of like a golden age of shopping. You've got a number of different choices. And on the other hand, inevitably, what's going to happen is when you have all these different choices, some businesses are going to succeed and some are going to fail. A fresh market, which tried to make an, an entry into this into this area, they, they tried and, and they failed. I mean, the fresh market stores, the ones in Wisconsin closed, the ones in Illinois closed, they're kind of retreating. They were just never able to find their niche. Well, what's happened recently is Kroger. And again, Kroger Kroger think pick and save Metro Market cops. Kroger announced earlier this week that they are going to be lowering prices, perhaps dramatically. They're saying we're making a major investment in lower prices across the state, um, and they're giving examples. For example, um, like a gallon of 1% Roundy Select milk at a store in Germantown, was used to sell for a dollar ninety nine. Now they've cut it down to a dollar seventy nine, and that's I mean that's just one of these examples. But they are making a point of reducing their prices now. Whether that's to compete more with some of the the typically more lower price chains, or whether that's a shot across the bow of places like Sendex. I mean I I don't know. Or maybe it could in fact be both. But I am I am intrigued by cost and price sensitivity for one and by what that i mean i think in many cases people's grocery shopping 
is determined not as much by cost as it is by a, a number of other factors. Convenience, perhaps, familiarity, ease of getting in and out of stores, etc. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, I want to be clear here. I think it is great that you have a major grocery store chain that's decided they're going to cut prices. I mean, that, that's, you know, everybody wins in that. My question is, is that, for you, the determining factor that's going to drive your decision? For example, if you are a Sendex shopper or a Woodman shopper or an Aldi shopper or a Meyer shopper or, or whatever, the, the fact that now roundies, that would be pick and save, et cetera, Metro Market, the fact that they might be cutting prices on items by 10 or 20 cents an item, is that going to make you reconsider your shopping decision. Is it based on price or is it based on something else? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. By reducing prices, is that going to lead to a spike in business for, in this case, the pick and saves and the metro markets of the world? Is it going to change your approach to shopping? 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We'll discuss in just a moment. I've got my theories, but I'm, I'm very curious as to how this is going to work is price the operative thing that's going to make you perhaps change your shopping habits. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back with your calls. It's 140. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. 143, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, the pick and save that. Pick and Save and Metro Market, they're owned by Kroger. Um, and they're, they're, you can see the billboards up now. They're saying, okay, we're, we're cutting prices. And they said, you know, store-wide, we're going to be cutting prices. I, I think it's great. Like, don't, 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 don't get me wrong. If a store is cutting prices, that, that benefits the consumers. I am really doubtful, though, as to whether that's going to move the needle. For example, I think, I think there are some people when it comes to grocery shopping that are extremely price sensitive. And, you know, maybe you're going to be going already to, I don't know, the, the Aldi's or, you know, whatever. You're going to be going maybe to Costco, those types of things. I, I think for everybody, for most other people, all right, the fact that, all right, a box of sugar frosted flakes might be 15 cents more at one place than another isn't necessarily going to drive you to the place that it's 15 cents cheaper. I, I rather, I think there might be other factors. Gee, I love the meat department here. I love the produce department here, whatever. Now, maybe that's just me, but I'm curious. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mary in Oconomowoc. Hi, Mary. You're on WTMJ. Um, I recently had to switch to a different store from Kroger's because when they switched to from Roundy's, they discontinued buying the cat food that I have to have because I have okay. a cat who's really sensitive. And I'm not going to shop all over town for a bag of cat food, so I go to the store <laughs> that has it. You know, it's right, and, and then it's, it's a, and as a practical matter, then you buy all your groceries there. You're not driving exactly. to different places. Right, right, because I don't want to go all over town. I hate well, I, I see, shopping in the first place. <laughs> well, 
Mary, amen. We're, we, we could be brother and sister on that. I mean, I, I do, too. I understand. And I understand there's some people that will drive all over. I, you like your meats at one place. You like your produce at another. You like the bakery at another. I'm not that guy. <laughs> you know, I'm just not going to do it. And I guess if I like a particular store, the fact that, all right, the other store down the road might be selling the milk for 10 cents a gallon cheaper, that's that's not going to drive me to change. And if and if I'm interested in the really low price stuff, well, that that's that's not pick and save in Metro Market, anyways. I mean, then then I'm going to be going to the Costco's of the world or something like that. Okay, thanks for call. No, thanks for call. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. And and again, I'm not. I, I'm I'm thrilled. You know, any anytime prices go down, and maybe you know the, the good thing to benefit all consumers would be if all the grocery chains, in response to this, decide, okay, well, we're going to cut our prices as well to try to match it. That then then we all end up winning. That's the way you know competition works. I'm just saying. I, I think. When it comes to grocery shopping, I, I don't know that people are extre- I don't know that people are extremely price sensitive, and the, and the segment that is, they're you're, they're going to the big box stuff. They're 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 already found the ultimate low cri- low price things. Um, Carlotta in Richfield, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi. My thing is, when Chairman Bob bought Pick and Save, he ruined it. He raised the prices to Chicago area prices. And people in Wisconsin okay. aren't going to pay for that. Since so what you think this is, is this is kind of a, you think this is kind of a bringing it back to where it was before. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to work at it. I mean, they're doing a lot of those um, free Fridays and download specials and all that. But, you know, they're going to have to work at it to get back their customer base. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, where, where? I mean, do you have a shopping? Uh, do you have a, a grocery store that you go to, a grocery chain that you go to, as a matter of course? Yeah, we we like pick it, pick, Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly, okay, no, right? I, right, okay, no, thanks, thanks for calling. I appreciate. It. As a matter of fact, I, I apologize. I'm, I actually know some of the people that own a couple of Piggly Wiggly chains. Apologize, didn't mean to forget about you. But right, there, there is all that competition that's out there. And again, I, I just think that there's a. First of all, it is, it is. There is a convenience factor. I mean, I don't think people want to drive all over town necessarily to get their their groceries. Um, and there's a loyalty factor. You get used to certain types of things. Now, I, I'm kind of going through that because I'm, I'm now. You know, I, I lived for 30 years in Whitefish Bay, and so now we're, we're kind of adjusting to where I, I live now, which is okay. The places I used to shop had a, it was a little bit more limited. Now, where I live, there, there's actually a couple. There's several grocery stores within a, a close range, and we're kind of still trying to figure out. Okay, where do you go? You know, where where are you getting the the best value? Etc. And, and right now, I think we still bounce between maybe three different grocery stores because for for Diet Coke and stuff like that, one store is cheaper. For meat, we think one is better. But you, you're kind of playing it around. But it's not it's not purely driven by price. Sean in Richfield. Sean, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, yeah. What do you think? I, well, price is not going to uh, affect too much with me. I've I, I stopped shopping at Pick and Save uh, when it was still under roundies with uh, Bob Mariano. And the prices kept going up and the quality wasn't there. Well, you had other stores come in fresh time, which is that's my preferred shopping uh, store now. But I've mm-hmm. tried giving since Kroger's, and they've stuck a lot of money in. You cannot deny they've made their stores beautiful. But right. you go in there, 
my mother's had the same problem. Uh, my brother-in-law's had the same problem. They up at cops, and you know, you're getting in there and you're getting the merchandise that is just about to be expired or expired. And even if it's a cheaper price, unless you're going to use it right away, what good is it if it's you know poor produce, poor dairy? And I just bought some cottage cheese I just tried the other day, and it wasn't expired. I opened it up, and it's mold inside. Yeah. I got that from Pick and Save, and I thought, well, you know what? I, I give you another try, but I just, I don't care how low they, they date those prices. I, it's just not worth it to me. Right. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. That's interesting. Again, I, I don't, thankfully, I don't do a lot of the shopping, so I don't wrestle with, with that type of stuff. But that's important. I have an interesting text here. Ease of checkout to me is paramount, to which the congregation says amen. Lower prices and bargains are important, but I hate self-checkout lines, um, and I you know, I, I don't want to wait forever. I will tell you, that, that is, that, that's a factor. Maybe it's a guy thing, or maybe it's just a Jeff thing, but I, I agree. When you... They're, all right, the, uh, two of the different grocery store chains that I have to choose from. I will say this. I walk into one, and there's always all the checkout lines are staffed. And, and even if it's busy, you're not going to be waiting very long because there's always somebody there. Um, at the same time, I nothing that I hate more than you walk into one of these grocery stores, and maybe they've got eight checkout lines, and there's only two checkers there. And then there's always somebody trying to push into the you know, self-checkout line. And as I have said before on this program, I try to resist that simply because, and it's just me, I, I almost always screw something up. Now I'll put this in the bag. Don't put it in the bag or whatever. I, I'm still, I'm the dinosaur. I admit the dinosaur in that tar pit that likes to go up and, you know, again, likes to have all the things scanned and I give them my money and then we go from there. Uh, I think it, it is it is a challenge. Brian in Chicago. Brian, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. I'm actually from the Racine County area, live in Raymond. We used to okay. Shopping at Pick and Save in Franklin, and after it got purchased by Kroger, we felt the quality was going downhill, and uh, the produce wasn't as good, the meat wasn't as good. So, uh, we really feel that the culture there, also by the employees, has also gone downhill, and not only that Pick and Save, but others that we've been to. Uh, so, we'll go out of our way to shop at a Sendex or a Fresh Time. We we really like. Uh, the culture there. The employees are happy to work there. When we go to the checkout lane, they're very happy to serve you. You know, and I don't like the, the self checkouts either. I mean, you look at Arctic and Save and Franklin. They they tore out half of the regular checkout lines for the self checkouts. So we'll go out of our way to do a Sundex or a Fresh Time. We'll spend a little bit more money. We like the culture of those stores. We like the employees' attitude. Right, and so an extra saving saving fifteen cents on a gallon of milk, for example, that's not going to necessarily be the thing that gets you through the door. No, we we uh, my wife does most of the shopping in the in, in the <laughs> household. I'll go with her, and uh, she just hates going in those stores. And no, fifteen cents on a gallon of milk is not going to make a big deal. We've actually left a shopping cart full of food at a Myers because of the. Uh, two people manning the checkout lanes. Uh, we just got frustrated because they try to funnel us over to the sub checkout. So and that's not a big deal to us anymore. Got it. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I, I mean, I think that is, I, I guess, look, everybody, everybody wants value. I, I understand that. But value, I think, alone for most people 
isn't what drives, isn't what moves the needle. And and for the people for whom cost is the primary objective, well, then I think you know you, you've got some of the stores that just you know that, that are. They I mean they make no bones about it. Okay, we're this is we're the warehouse discount store, and you want to buy the the giant you know like thirty pound box of Cheerios. You know we'll give you a great price for doing it. I, I think it's great that prices are coming down. Whether it moves the needle or not, I'm a little doubtful. But we'll see. That's one of the things. And, and hopefully, best news is if you've got one one store in a particular area that's doing that, maybe it will inspire all the other stores to do it, and then everybody wins. 153, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. It's 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, that commercial for Brian Style, who's running to replace Paul Ryan. Um, it does remind me, we've got a primary election coming up on Tuesday. As I always say, it's an open primary, but that mean, what that means is you can vote in either the Republican primary or the Democrat primary, but you can't vote in both. So, for example, if you want to vote in the Republican primary, the race between Leah Vukmir and Kevin Nicholson, that's great. But if you live in Milwaukee County, you can't turn around and then also vote in the Democratic primary for sheriff or the Democratic primary for governor. You can pick either. You can go either way, but you can't go both ways. Can't flip flop back and forth. We're going to spend at least an hour on Monday's program talking about the various the, the various primary elections and discussing some of the candidates. There's some people that are kind of running under the radar screen. You've got some people who are really Democrats that are running as Republicans. You've got some people who are running as Democrats who are really, really out there socialists. You've got some Democrats who, um, well, you know, you don't know necessarily, don't, don't really have a chance. We'll spend a lot of time on Monday's show, probably during the one o'clock hour, discussing the upcoming primary election. But it is important to get out and vote because with these primary elections, they're going to be low turnout. So again, every vote really matters. I will also go out on a limb and I will make some predictions as to who's going to emerge from some of these contested primaries. All right, before we turn it over for top of the hour news, and then we're going to be doing Pop Culture Corner a little bit earlier today because we've got an interview with Governor Walker scheduled for 235. I I, I can't let the weekend without just commenting on this one story. Of all the things that Milwaukee needs or doesn't need, with all the crime that's going on, matter of fact, my my emails are going off with like notifications of shootings just in the last hour or so. All right, the last thing that you need, with all the problems they've got in downtown Milwaukee, is a is a homeless village, and yet that is precisely what's happened. Apparently, you've got a number of people who've decided that they're just going to pop up tents in MacArthur Square, which is you know, the plaza right outside the court house and they're going to live there so you now have like a tent city which is originating again outside the courthouse i there are so many reasons that this is wrong in in number one that they're not supposed to be there you're not supposed to be there overnight I, i don't think anybody in their right mind would think it's a good idea to allow people just to be able to essentially camp out in public thoroughfares or in public areas it raises all sorts of problems you've had these issues in madison where you have again a number of people who've decided to camp out outside the city county building there and they've had nothing but problems why anybody think that it's a good idea to allow that to happen in Milwaukee, 
of all places is beyond me. Apparently, uh, the county, and this would be, I think, Chris Abley's uh, bailiwick, uh, county says they, they have no problems with this. They're, they're, they have no plans at all to do anything to move this along. So I guess if you're looking for a place to hang out, um, just pop a tent and they'll let you live outside the Milwaukee County Courthouse. Welcome to Chris Abley's Milwaukee. We're back with more in just a minute. It's 159. It's 208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. My last hour at the Wisconsin State Fair 2018. So glad to have you with us. We're going to be joined by Governor Scott Walker. He's on his bus tour. He's going to be calling in about 2.35. We will be speaking to him about a number of issues. I, I was listening to the news. I heard myself on the news uh, talking talking a little bit about the law. That's you know, one of the questions. And, of course, the, the story was, of course, the guy who is charged with executing the Milwaukee police officer, you know, entered an appearance and entered a not guilty plea. And one of the questions a number of people have is, well, how, how can you how can you plead not guilty? What does that mean? And and as, as I was trying to explain, uh, to, really, in this country, you are innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt by the, the state or by the federal government or whatever. And when somebody enters a not guilty plea, what they are essentially saying is, is prove it. You know, I, I am going to put you to your proof. Prove, you know, prove your case beyond a reasonable doubt. And that that's what the challenge is. Now, another reason why people enter not guilty pleas is oftentimes they're trying to preserve the ability to enter into a plea agreement. You know, the idea that, hey, I mean, look, here's what can happen. I mean, you can have the strongest case in the world as a prosecutor, but sometimes witnesses go south. Sometimes you get a squirrely jury. Sometimes you get a, a ruling that throws out a bunch of evidence. So, I mean, there's always, at, at times, there is incentive to say, all right, you know, if we can resolve a matter short of trial, there might be a, a reason to do that. Let's take the risk out. Let's get the conviction. In this particular case, this is is the uh, you know, murder of the Milwaukee police officer. I, I think the chances of this reaching any sort of plea agreement are, are essentially slim to none. I will be shocked if there is a plea agreement here. And the reason is that the, the parties really have no bargaining room um, in it, it's not like you can say, all right, you plead guilty to one count of armed robbery and I'll drop a couple of these others. In, in, in the case of, for example, a, a murder, especially somebody with the record of this defendant and the nature of these circumstances and the murder of a police officer, I mean, you're, you're looking at, if convicted, you're, you're looking at life in prison without parole. So um, I would be shocked if the district attorney, it seems to me the only wedge the district attorney really would have is to say, well, you know, we'll, we'll let you plead and we'll recommend something less than that. Well, there would be outrage. I mean, I don't see even John Chisholm's office doing something like that, which means from the defendant's perspective, there's really no incentive. There's nothing, I think, material that they'd be willing to give him. So I think this matter is uh, going to go to going to go to trial. And I wouldn't expect it wouldn't be surprised to see a trial occur in the next couple months. And that's probably the way it should work out. All right. As, as a regular feature during the 2 o'clock hour of this program, typically during the last half hour, we do a segment every Friday to kind of get you in the mood for the weekend. I call it Pop Culture Corner. Friday shows are always a little bit different than the shows for the rest of the week. We we put away some of the heavy lifting, and we stop talking about what the latest thing is in going on in you know Washington, D.C., and what the outrage is, and we, we try to have a little bit of fun. Normally, like I say, we do it in the 2.30 segment of the program um, because I've got an interview scheduled with Governor 
Connor Walker. I, and I was on vacation last Friday. I, I didn't want two weeks to go by without doing this. And I also thought it was especially appropriate for a glorious Friday afternoon in, in mid-August. I, as I've said repeatedly, I love the Wisconsin State Fair. And I understand that Summerfest is built on music. And what I'm about to say is not a knock on Summerfest a- at all. But one of the things that I think is cool about the State Fair is there's a lot of music as well. Now, now the State Fair, no offense to anybody who's playing here, the State Fair, as far as big-name musical acts, I mean, doesn't compare with Summerfest. I don't know if there's anything in the world that compares with Summerfest in that regard. But one of the cool things that I always enjoy is walking around the State Fair grounds and finding... I don't know, these these local cover bands or, or whatever who are playing tunes. I mean, it's just, I, 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 was, I was walking past the place this morning, and there's a song I remember from God probably when I was like 10 or 11 years old uh, called Brandy by Looking Glass. And the band next door is playing, you know, Brandy, you're a fine girl, you know, what a good wife you would be. I, I, they're playing that. I love finding these bands that are playing these cover songs or maybe songs I haven't heard for a while. My wife and I were out here the, the other night, and there was a tribute to Tom Petty. It was those sort of bands that you can find, that, that sort of entertainment. And you say, gosh, I haven't heard that song performed live in, in ages. And, and again, it's, it's not the big national touring acts, which are certainly cool to see. But I, I love the music that you find at the, the State Fair. You know, and again, it's, it's cover bands. It's the local bands that are playing. And, and I get a kick out of that in a different way than I get a kick out of, like, listening to some of the major entertainment at Summerfest. And there's nothing better than sitting down and having a fried something or other and a cold beer on a hot August afternoon and listening to, you know, a band play the songs of my lifetime. All right, the other thing with State Fair, and one of the reasons I'm always sorry to see it end, is I understand that summer goes on for, you know, another few weeks. Summer goes on for a a month, I guess, if you look at the calendar or whatever. But to me, after State Fair, it's kind of like the unofficial beginning of the end of Summerfest, of, of summer, Summerfest, of summer. So I thought what we do for a segment here on Pop Culture Corner, we're going to tie in music, we're going to tie in summer, and just have a little bit of fun. When I think of summer, there's a number of different songs that I think of. And so in honor of the State Fair and the honor of summer 2018 kind of winding down, what song... One song is the soundtrack of your summers. When you think summer, is there one song that comes to mind? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The song that says summer to you in honor of the State Fair and summer 2018. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, for these segments, I always advise people to, number one, call early because our phone lines tend to jam up. And number two, um, go with your first instinct. Sometimes people tend to overthink things. But when you think a song that just screams summer, what is that tune? We're back to take your calls and discuss in just a moment. 215 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. <music> Two eight 
WFT, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, see, now that's what I'm talking about. I'm walking past one of the stages earlier on today. They're, they're playing Brandy. That that takes me back to the summer of 19-whatever. I think I'm about 10 or 11 or 12 years old. That's the big song. You can hear that at State Fair. They, they were playing it this morning, for goodness sakes. I love Brandy. Love that song. Haven't heard it performed live in ages. That's the stuff you get at the Wisconsin State Fair. What is your song of the summer? This is Pop Culture Corner on a Friday afternoon. Let's start with Jim in Antioch, Illinois. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Real easy one. Uh, Beach Boys, California Girls. Well, you know, almost anything by the Beach Boys would qualify for that. But I got to tell you, of all the different of all the different Beach Boy tunes, California Girls might be my favorite one. No question about it. Yeah, really. Is. Now, it thanks for the windows down, even at forty degrees, it gets the windows down. <laughs> Boy, no, thanks. Right, that, that's exactly it. East Coast girls are hip. I really dig those styles they wear. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's start. Uh, let's talk to Dave, who's calling us from DeKalb, Illinois. Hi, Dave. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, sure. On the on the Fourth of July is definitely skyrockets and flakes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay. Right. One week later, my sportsman's club always has their annual picnic, so that would be um, Saturday in the park by Chicago. Right, Saturday in the park, and right, an afternoon delight. I, I like both of those. Thanks for the call, Dave. I, 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 I like both of those. See, that's it. You know, it, that's one of the things. What's one of the powers? power that music has it transforms you it takes you back to a particular time in your life and and again it's um i, I tell you one of one of my songs of the summer I, i'll give it bob seeger night moves i just and i i mean is it is it overtly uh, a summertime song well to an extent it's certainly different than like a california girls or a brown-eyed girl which i love jimmy buffett does a cover of the van morrison tune i mean i, I love it a lot but like like night moves it takes me back to a certain summertime in in my life just like uh, brandy that that's so, silly song by looking glass struck a nerve 414-799-1620 let's talk to david in greendale david you're on wtmj good afternoon hey you took uh, my one song brandy uh, i used to uh, boat at pewaukee back in 1972 and another popular one that was good then was uh, I can see clearly now, but Johnny Cash, Nash, rather. Johnny Nash, yeah, right. No, I right. I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. No, thanks for called. Right, that that's another one again that kind of takes you back to that per, that specific time. Let's talk to Jake in Iron Ridge. Jake, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, hi. Uh, my song. Hi, Jake. By, my song is by Mongo Jarrett in the summertime. Yeah, summertime. Oh, yeah, it does. It doesn't get any. It, it, if you're looking for a, a song of the summer, Mungo Jerry and, and summertime. Again, that's now. It, it it's one of those songs that's also kind of timeless. Now, you're not going to be playing that in December, but you know you're going to be hearing that on car radios blasting. You know, come June, July, and August, no doubt about it. Hey, thanks for the call, Jake. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Dan in New Berlin. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. I, I said sure. uh, school's out. Alice Cooper. <laughs> Alice Cooper. You know, I... Okay. I, I have never seen Alice Cooper live, and I'm kicking myself because he was at the State Fair Friday night, and, and I was my, my buddy and I went to Canton to see Jerry Kramer get admitted to the Hall of Fame, or else I would have been at that Alice Cooper show. Everybody tells me it was just absolutely great. 
He is he is fantastic to see live. I saw him, uh, I would say, back in the seventies, and also saw him at uh, at the theater downtown as well. So. No, he's right. No, and, and now thanks for calling. No, I, I really, I'm. I, I mean, I, I'm just sorry I missed that show because I. That is a show that I would have been to, and 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 you're right. Schools out is, um, schools out is unquestionably um, one of those. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Tell you what, let me take a quick break. We'll be back with more of your calls in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Two twenty two. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. We're going to be joined by Governor Walker in about 10 minutes, so we're doing an early edition of Pop Culture Corner in honor of summer winding down and the State Fair winding down. We're talking about songs from the summer. Let's see, Don't Worry Baby, I'm going to a text line here, Don't Worry Baby by the Beach Boys, Uh, Jack and Diane by John Cougar Mellencamp, that's from Maggie. Let's see, I'm a Believer, the Monkees, because of the 1980 Brewers, Summer Breeze by Seals and Crofts, Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by the late, great Otis Redding, Under the Boardwalk, yeah, that's a pretty good one, too. A couple more for Mungo Jerry um, in the summertime, 414-799-1620. Let's talk to um, Eileen in Racine. You're on WTMJ. Hi, there. Hi, Uh, Hi, Eileen. Okay, your song of the summer. Oh, by Don Henley. Pardon? By by Don Henley, yeah. By Don Henley, yes, correct. Yeah. Right. Okay, Uh, tell me why. Okay. When I was 19, I moved from Racine to Southern California. I had always convertible, and the summer in San Diego was so much fun. I had blonde hair, (laughs) and I had my sunglasses on, and every summer was, uh, well, summer never ended there. So I just, that's got to be the number one song. It's got to be. So you were you were that hot gal cruising around in the hot car, huh? That's correct. All right, <laughs> Eileen. Thank, thanks for thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. I I appreciate. Can't get enough of that. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to um, let's see Kim in Sussex. Kim, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Uh, one of my songs was Summer Breeze, but I also love Dancing in the Moonlight. Oh, well, they're, they're, they're both great ones. I mean, they're, they're both great. I think I, I like them both. I mean, but Dancing in the Moonlight, that's, that kind of probably brings back memories and stuff like that, huh? Yeah. Um, dancing, lightning bugs, summer nights. <laughs> it, it all works, and, and that's, that's the great stuff that you see. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Okay, let's see. Go back to the text line. Kim Sex says, Kim says, all summer long by Kid Rock. Yeah, that's actually, that's a pretty darn good tune. There, there's no question about it. I, I, I like, uh, I like that. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Mike in DeForest. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, grooving on a Sunday afternoon. You know, I was I, I whenever I do these things, it's all I can do to resist bursting into song, and exactly. and and that's one that almost makes you want to sing. But I, I'm going to do everybody a favor and just not sing. But yeah, it's grooving on a Sunday afternoon. No, nope, that you, you got to love it. Th- thanks for the call. I appreciate four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Craig in Brookfield. Craig, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Great Hi, Craig. topic. Uh, I love it when you do this. That's so much fun. A- anyhow, uh, what? Freddie Cannon in the Palisades Park, uh, it just brings back the, the atmosphere, the environment of taking a girl and, and you're, you're going to a, 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 
a place where all, all of the action is. Right. And, okay, now, now you know the trivia about Palisades Park. You know who wrote Palisades Park? No, I don't. Chuck Barris, the guy who did the gong show and the dating game and the newlywed game. Chuck Barris, he... He, he that but before he did thanks for the call no before this is like one of these absurd little pieces of trivia and as people from the state fair will testify i don't have any computer screen that this this is one of my absurd pieces of trivia chuck barris before he got into tv and before he did the dating game and the gong show and all that he he was I don't know if he, he wasn't a full-time songwriter, but he wrote Palisades Park, which was based on, um, he was, I think he was a Jersey kid or something. It was based on, you know, an amusement park in the summer. But, yeah, Palisades Park, very cool. Corey in Menominee Falls. Corey, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. I actually have Hi, Corey. Two. Hi. Um, okay. My family, we used to all go to Rhinelander at some just dumpy cabins. And in the campus room... <laughs> They had a jukebox, and the only two songs the old jukebox would play was Achy Breaky Heart and Hotel California. So anytime I hear those two, it takes me right back there in summer. Um... <laughs> so the jukebox only played two songs? It really? It had a full of records, and the only two it would play was Hotel California and Achy Breaky Heart. And as kids, we figured out you didn't even have to pay it. It would just play it. <laughs> It's, it's, now, see, I um, well, achy breaky heart, yeah, but I, I mean, I love Hotel California. I'm a, I'm a huge Eagles fan, and I yep. love Hotel California. I'm if not sure I would like. Cabins, ho- <laughs> I would never pick achy breaky heart. <laughs> <laughs> That's, thanks for the call. I appreciate. It. I, I mean, I, I love Hotel California. I'm I'm not sure I would love it for an entire summer if that was the only song you could have. But I, I'm a huge Eagle fan. You, you could name lots of stuff. Um, James Dean, the, the Eagle song, James Dean, that would be a great one. But it, it's always a lot of fun. Look, the bottom line is, I'm sorry, we're just about out of time. But um, it, the, one of the things I love about music, like I said earlier, is it, it brings back memories. It kind of unites us all. And Lord knows there's enough stuff that divides everybody now. But it's one of those things that you can agree on. And it's also one of those things that you can have a disagreement about, about, no, you know, I, I like Don Henley's Boys of summer no 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 i like uh, van morrison's brown-eyed girl um jimmy more jimmy buffett does brown-eyed girl better than van morrison does it's one of those things that you can have a decent argument about and not end up screaming at people and there is a value to that as well all right we've got governor walker coming up in a couple minutes we're scheduled to interview him he's on his bus tour he will be calling in coming up next we're scheduled to be joined by governor walker to talk about well a number of different things stick around it's 2.35, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm on the road broadcasting live from the Wisconsin State Fair. I'm not the only one on the road, though. As part of his summer bus tour, Governor Walker is out and about the state, and he joins us now. Governor, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Great to be with you. Good to see you at the fair the other day. We were there for five different appearances this week, but today I'm up way at the other end of the state in Rhinelander as part of a 21-city stop between now and the primary election. Outstanding. Um, how has the reception been as you travel out state, Governor? Oh, it's super. People are pumped up. Yesterday I was in uh, Milwaukee, Sheboygan, Manitowoc, did a tailgate outside of Lambeau Field. This morning we were in Marinette, uh, Anago, Rhinelander here now, and we're headed to Mosinee, Clintonville, and Cloveria uh, today. So people just, one, it's great to see folks. We see folks at businesses. We see grassroots supporters. Um, part of it's just reminding people, one, that I'm asking for the vote on Tuesday, that I technically have a further election this Tuesday, but more importantly, that I'm asking for their vote and their help 
on November 6th because it's been a nine-day difference. As you know, Jeff, before I was governor a few years ago, unemployment was at 9.3%. A lot of our graduates in the state were going to other states to find careers. Today, we've had five months in a row of sub-3% all-time low unemployment, and we actually have more career opportunities than we have people to fill them. So our, our plan for the future is really to help keep Wisconsin working for generations to come. Governor, when, when we actually ran into each other, we saw each other a couple of days ago, I, I was telling you how impressed I was with the new commercials you're running talking about Foxconn, because what, one of the things I, I admit that makes my head explode is you have all these challengers running around who are complaining about Foxconn, saying this was a huge waste of money. Um, a, a lot of those arguments, I think, are, are ill-informed, but also misleading at, at best. But is Foxconn going to be a success? It's going to be an unbelievable success. And you're right, those ads are important in two regards. One, we did something unconventional. We run them by by media market, not just the same ad statewide. So in Green Bay, we point out not only the benefit of the 13,000 direct jobs, uh, but all the contractors in northeast Wisconsin, as an example, Bolt Construction, uh, Nita Foundry, the list goes on and on. And the fact that in downtown Green Bay, they're doing, they're going to hire 200 high-tech positions just at the Green Bay Foxconn Innovation Center. That's just one of many examples, whether it's in Eau Claire with a similar center, whether it's with people uh, benefiting in north central Wisconsin or all across the state. Just in contracting alone, the first few phases, you have more than 60 companies uh, that benefit and employ people in 60 to 72 counties. Uh, by the end of the time of their construction is done, I believe it will be benefiting families in every, or at least in counties in every part of the state of Wisconsin. And then the other part, and we talked about this the other day, I, I wanted to deliver it myself so it was crystal clear, Foxconn has to earn their credits based on actual investment and job creation. No jobs and investment, no credits. They've already created jobs. They've already made investments. They're going to, I think, they're going to do even better. And if anyone doubts that, just down the way from where they're located at, uh, we helped a few years back. Amazon came in. At the time, we gave them some help, and in return, they were going to create 1,250 jobs. They're now at the 4,000 job mark. I think Foxconn is going to be the same. Governor, one of one of the issues that, again, is kind of bizarre to me is many of the people who are running for the right to challenge you in the Democratic primary have decided to come out with an agenda that talks about releasing people from the state prisons, the idea that we can cut the prison population in half without endangering safety. And there was, a, a I think, one of the, in my words, not yours, one of the dumbest politifacts that I saw the other day. That, I mean, the reality is, can you substantially reduce the Wisconsin prison population over any reasonable period of time without releasing people who really shouldn't be on the streets. No, actually, uh, Jeff, on that one, I would agree with you. It actually was one of the dumbest political facts out there because I said every day I've talked about it. The, the day I stood with Mike Cravello, the Milwaukee Police Association president, uh, the day after, yesterday, today, whenever I've talked about it, I have said clearly uh, that when people like Tony Evers and Kelda Roy's and others say that they support cutting the prison population by 50%. Today, today there are two-thirds of the inmates uh, are in prison for violent offenses, and that means today, if you look at the way things are, assuming that trends, as you know, having been a prosecutor, haven't changed dramatically from year to year over the past several decades, today that would mean if you have two-thirds are in for violent offenses and you let 50% out, 
that means you will actually have thousands of violent criminals out on the streets. And even for the supposed nonviolent offenses, I mean, think of this irony of you've got people who want to impose more, uh, pen- more difficulties on law-abiding citizens, but at the same breath, supposedly the nonviolent third that are in, some of them are in for things like gun-related offenses, like selling uh, firearms illegally and other things in that regard. So those are I, those would be very practically, if you're going to let half out, those obviously would be some of the people that would be the most likely to be out in the streets. It just makes no sense. A hundred percent of the people in prison today are in because they're convicted felons. They're not in for misdemeanor crimes. They're not in for other issues. They're in because they've been sentenced to a year or more in a prison. And ultimately, that means uh, that uh, that they're going to be letting violent criminals out. Now, I think the best way to reform the system is not to let people out early. It's to do what I started doing a few years ago, which we expanded, and I want to expand even more, and that is giving people education and training at the end of their term so that when they're, when they're out of prison, legitimately out of prison at the end of their sentence, they're out there um, having a career. Like a guy I met just the other day who was a welder who told me he got trained and uh, he was a felon and now he's working again. That's the right way to do it. As long as I'm governor, I will never let a violent criminal out of prison early. Unfortunately, a number of my opponents, like Tony Evers and Kelda Royce, uh, do agree to a plan to have half the half the population out. Well, and the other thing, too, Governor, in order to meet those kind of numbers, not only would you have to release a number of people, but it effectively would assume you're not sending any more people into the prison system that have committed crimes of violence. If you look at the numbers, it just it just flat out doesn't add up. And I just, from a public safety perspective, for the life of me, I don't understand running for governor on a platform that would say, I want to release more people from the state prison system. Makes no sense to me at all. It doesn't, but Jeff, here's the interesting thing. I said this has been one of the benefits of having a, a highly contested race on the other side, having eight candidates out there. They've been having forum after forum after forum, and I say it's a bit like taking truth serum. Uh, a lot of times liberals will kind of hide and pretend to be a little bit more mainstream in a general election. They have clearly laid out that the, uh, in, their, in these forums and these interviews that they're appealing to the far, 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 extreme, dangerously liberal element of their party. And that's where ideas like this come from. It's, it's from the far, far left. I don't think that reflects the average independent. I don't even think it reflects some of the so-called traditional Democrats in this state. And it certainly doesn't reflect the views of Republicans and conservatives. Governor, since I have you, I do have to ask you, the, the breaking news story this afternoon is your former um, state Correction Secretary Ed Wall has apparently re- released a book very, very critical of you, very, very critical of Attorney Brad Schimmel. Um, do you have any comment on? I I'm sure you probably haven't read the book. Do you, do you have any comment on on what Ed Wall had to say? Well, I just saw the uh, a brief synopsis of the story, and, and my reaction is simple. I, I think it's sad and pathetic that someone who is fired from his position as Department of Justice for asking a state employee to break the open records laws would continue his lies and deceptions. I mean, it's just a sad commentary we've seen. It's, it's, uh, it's, there's no one's disproved the fact. In fact, even a uh, Wisconsin Employee Relations Commission and a Dane County judge upheld that determination from the Wisconsin Department of Justice because based on the idea, he was fired based on the premise that he told the state employee uh, to, uh, to violate the state's open records laws. And that's, 
that's like I said, it's sad and it's pathetic, but that's the situation. Governor, I, I know I know you got to go, and I appreciate you joining us while you're on the bus. So let me just ask you this: as you reflect back over the last eight years, is there is there one thing that you would say you are proudest of as far as accomplishing, you know, as the governor of the state of Wisconsin? Well, I think one of the uh, most important things is we've turned things around in this state. It wasn't just something we did. We created the environment, but the people of this state, people are the ones who create jobs and opportunity. We just create a better environment, but we created an environment that we went from 9.3% unemployment before I was governor that, that year before, where 133, almost 134,000 jobs were, 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 had left in the four years prior, and where so many of our graduates were leaving the state to pursue careers elsewhere outside of Wisconsin. To today, the thing I'm the most proud of is people like my sons, Matt and Alex, are living and working here in the state. That, that So many of our sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, nieces and nephews, uh, are able to find careers that are meaningful careers that keep them here in the state of Wisconsin. That's where our plan for the next four years, which we'll be starting to run ads on in detail next week after the primary, really is about helping Wisconsin uh, help keep to be able to help keep Wisconsin working for generations to come. Governor Scott Walker, thanks so much for joining us from the road. I look forward to talking to you in the very near future. Thanks, Jeff. Have a great one. Everybody have a great time at the fair. <laughs> Thanks a lot. That's Governor Scott Walker. He, he was, of course, he was at, out at the fair on multiple occasions. I got a chance to just run into him the other day, and we were talking about a couple of things, and I'm very glad he could take some time from his summer bus tour to join us. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a moment. It's 246. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. W277-CV and WTMJ Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ. 257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That's it for me from the Wisconsin State Fair. There is a pork chop sandwich, a cream puff, and a cold beer to be had for yours truly. But don't worry, we've got you covered. John McCure, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, Melissa Barkley <laughs> on on tap. Hi, Jeff, guys. I can't believe you did that again. I thought you hadn't been drinking beers. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's funny. And, th- and then earlier today you thought I was Bill's dad, so... Well, that wasn't my fault. No, I know. I'm just I didn't see you. That wasn't my fault. They had to. But yes, I don't know. Right. I don't know what this is. It's this mental block that once every three weeks I look at Melissa, who I adore, and I say, Elizabeth, I don't know where that comes from. I apologize. All right. What do you guys got coming up on the big show? Hey, Jeff, have a great weekend. We do have a big show coming up. Kurt Bowers, the president of Wisconsin Manufacturing and Commerce. He's one of the real movers and shakers in Wisconsin. I'm interested in talking to him and getting his take on all the Democrats running against Foxconn and its 13,000 jobs that are likely to be created. He will join us coming up at 320. And I am super excited about this. Joey Chestnut. You know, the guy who eats all the hot dogs has 40 records for eating food. He's coming to the State Fair, and he's going to be with us live. Joey Chestnut, live at 334 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. And a powerful story about redemption. It's Melissa's feature on prison ministry. You'll hear that a couple of times this afternoon for the first time at 350. I hope you stick around for that. It's very, very powerful. It's 258, the news of the day, straight ahead on this Friday afternoon on WTMJ.